This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Western North Carolina. Welcome to a Monday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio, August 21st, 2023. Appreciate you spending a few minutes with us this morning. A busy baseball weekend, busy morning in sports overall, um, or busy weekend, I should say, sports overall. Uh, congratulations to uh, Spain winning uh, its first Women's World Cup, beating England one nothing. But, man, I'll tell you what, uh, talk about, uh, I guess, the agony and the ecstasy uh, of a situation like that. Olga Carmona, who scored the only goal of the game for Spain, she scored it in the uh, 29th minute. Uh, in the game down in Sydney, Australia, found out after the game that her father had died. Um, you know, she knew that he was uh, in poor health, and uh, he passed away um, just before game time, and her family decided to wait until after the celebrations for the winning the title were over before they uh, finally told her, and I mean, God, can you imagine? And, and look, I mean, I, I think the fact that he was already ill, you know, probably she kind of knew it was coming. But even still, she said after the game, she said, you know, without knowing it, I had my star before the game even started. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, and she said, rest in peace, Dad. And I mean, but what a way to find out. I mean, you, you got this high, you finally win the World Cup, and then that, oof, I can't even imagine. Um she was named the most valuable player of the uh, of the final. Uh, she also scored in the semifinal game uh, in the win over Sweden. She became the uh, first player since Carly Lloyd did it uh, back for the United States back in 2015 to score in the uh, the semifinal and the final. So, uh, just a uh, what a tough thing. The other uh, thing that happened this weekend: the Patriots got a hell of a scare on Saturday when their uh, rookie cornerback, Isaiah Bolden, had to be taken off the field on a stretcher. He wasn't moving. Now, they said he had feeling in all his extremities, but he was going to make a tackle, and he actually ran into one of his own teammates. And uh, they took him off the field and took him to uh, the hospital to get checked out. And uh, they suspended the rest of the game. There was still 10 minutes to go in that preseason game with the Packers and uh, they they called it off uh, and I think you're seeing and it happened fairly quickly I think after the whole thing with DeMar Hamlin happened last year I think you're going to see uh, the NFL the, the the front office of the NFL as well as the officials be a lot more um, understanding about these things and I think we may see more situations like that happen if, if there's a major injury on the field and it's the right thing to do 
Uh, but the good news is for Bolden is that he was released. He did stay overnight at the uh, medical center, but he was released. He actually went back on the team bus with the Patriots, so that was great news. And, uh, you know, now what that means as far as uh, uh, when he'll be able to play again, who knows. But uh, the good news is is that uh, he was released and he was able to go back with the team. The Patriots were supposed to actually go to Tennessee for joint practices. They're playing the Titans in their final preseason game, and they were going to go and have a couple of days of joint practices. They've decided to call that off. They're going to stay in Foxborough, and uh, then they will uh, go down uh, to Tennessee for that game. I believe that game is on Thursday – no, Friday at, at Nissan Stadium in Nashville. So um, – you know, I think uh, I think this is just a case of allowing the Patriots to go back home, take a deep breath, and kind of like, whew, you know, uh, after the Demar Hamlin thing, I, again, I think uh, we're just going to see teams taking uh, more caution, not only with, uh, you know, like calling the game off, but allowing their players to kind of, you know, get with, uh, you know, and kind of recover from the shock. You know, it was interesting. I saw a uh, story this weekend. One of the things that they've started doing in the NFL, they have these new helmets that they're using in preseason uh, games and in practices and stuff where it's got extra padding on the outside of the helmet to try to uh, decrease uh, head injuries. The interesting thing, and, and by all accounts, it's working. The interesting thing was... The, the NFL office was asked if somebody wanted to use this in a regular season games, these extra padded helmets, would they be able to? And the NFL office said no, that they are not approved for uh, use in the regular season. Look, anything that can decrease head injuries, I, I don't understand that. You know, I I actually think that maybe we need to think about making something like that standard or optional. With the with the size and the speed of these players now, uh, you know, I don't I don't understand why the uh, why the NFL. If you're going to allow them to be used in practices, and you know, you're going to have them, uh, you know, the teams be able to use them. Now, why couldn't they use them in a game? It, it makes no sense to me. It's not like it's cheating, right? You know, it's not like, you know, it's not like uh, somebody's altering the ball or, you know, doing anything, you know, funky. I, I don't I don't understand that. And, but I think we're going to get to that point where those will be uh, considered to be approved. I don't see why. Not. Again, I just don't understand it. You know, the, the NFL has done a decent job of reducing the number of concussions and head injuries recently. But we still have a long way to go, and we still have too many cases of guys retiring and finding out that they have CTE, you know, from uh, the, the constant battering of the brain. You know, and, and everybody that plays football accepts that risk. I get that. I mean, anytime you play any sport, whether it's baseball, you know, hockey, whatever, you there's always the risk of injury, and you assume that risk when you play. But if there is a reasonable way to eliminate some of that risk, I don't understand why you wouldn't do it. Um, so we'll see. Uh, the Saints and the Texans were also supposed to have joint practices this week in New Orleans. They've called those off as well because the Texans 
have had a bunch of injuries in the last couple of weeks, and you know, with the, with you know, look, the season is going to start here in a couple of weeks, and uh, you know, one more preseason game, and then we get going. Uh, I think teams are just like, you know, look, they've already shortened preseason, right? You wonder if we're going to get to a point, and I don't know that we will, but you almost wonder if we're going to get to a point where there won't be preseason games. And they'll allow teams, maybe what they'll do is for the first, and, and this to me isn't a bad idea, for the first few weeks of the season, you allow a team to carry an extra 10, 15 players. You know, you still have your training camps to to whittle down guys you know aren't going to be able to make it. You know, it's, you know, you can look at a guy in college and, you know, look at him in a draft combine and, and look at all his skills, his speed, his height, his weight, et cetera, and think one thing, but seeing them actually playing with other NFL players at the speed of the NFL game, you know, you you know pretty quickly who can and can't make it. So you wonder if uh, we'll get to a point where there won't be preseason games just with the number of injuries that we're seeing, you know, and, and the scary thing to happen to Bolden this week. Fortunately, he's okay, but, you know, you wonder. You wonder. So, uh, anyway, let's get to uh, baseball. Let's get to those Boston Red Sox. And, look, for – the Red Sox sweep the Yankees, and and for, for the second time this season, the Red Sox have swept the Yankees. They are eight and one against the Yankees this season. And as a Red Sox fan, there is like no doubt. It doesn't matter who else is playing; you want to beat the Yankees. It was interesting. They had a poll this weekend. They did on the radio broadcast of who would you rather beat as a Red Sox fan? Who would you rather see your team beat? The Yankees. The Dodgers or the Astros, and the Yankees were the overwhelming favorite. However, and when you think about it, they well, yes, we love to see them beat the Yankees if, as if you're a Red Sox fan. But right now, the one that makes the most sense is the Astros because that's the team they need to beat because the Astros are the team uh, that the Red Sox have got to hunt down to get into the playoffs, or one of the teams, along with Seattle, along with Toronto. I mean, they've got some work to do. But what a game yesterday. We actually, as Pete Abraham this morning in the Boston Globe said, we finally got treated to a classic Red Sox-Yankee game. I mean, the first two games of this series, what were they, 8-1 and 8-3. They, you know, it wasn't close. And this one um, – was a typical Red Sox-Yankee game. It was beautiful. Justin Turner, the hero for the Red Sox, a three-run bomb in the seventh. And then after John Schreiber comes out of the bullpen, it was absolutely brutal. Turner comes through again in the ninth inning with an RBI double, and the Red Sox uh, take the 6-5 lead. Kenley Jensen comes out of the bullpen. It does his best to uh, give Red Sox fans a heart attack. I mean, it was, you know, he comes in and uh, uh, gives off a leadoff uh, double to Greg Allen that, by the way, missed going out by a foot. You know, and they actually had to review it. It looked like it might have been a home run. They reviewed it. They said it was a double. Then he hits D.J. LeMahieu. So they got first and second and nobody out, right? But then Jansen comes through and he strikes at Aaron Judge and uh, – he strikes out Glaber Torres and then gets a fly ball to center field, and uh, the Red Sox win. Um, look, um, Nick Pavetta was 
okay. I mean, he struck out eight over five innings. He only gave up three hits. The problem was two of them left the ballpark. Um, and I don't – look, the Red Sox are eight games over five hundred, and considering the, the, the crap sandwich they were handed by their general manager, I think, you know, and all the injuries that they've had, I think Alex Cora has done a great job keeping this team in it. Here's the thing I don't understand. This whole Nick Pavetta thing. And this whole having Josh Winkowski start and pitch an inning as an opener before you bring Pavetta out of the bullpen with this idea that, well, you know, Pavetta was better out of the bullpen this year, so, you know, we need to, we need to like, not let him come out and start the game. What a load of crap that is. If you can pitch, you can pitch, right? I, am, I just think it's stupid because the Red Sox got in a situation yesterday where they blow Winkowski for that first inning. And, he, you know, look, he walks a guy, throws 21 pitches, gets out of the first inning scoreless, and then he's done for the game. Then you bring Pavetta on for five innings. But here's the thing. When Pavetta got himself in trouble yesterday, the, the situation they were in, they had to bring Schreiber in, who had pitched the day before. So you're asking a guy who had you know, been on the injured list for a long time to all of a sudden have to pitch in back-to-back games, which he hadn't done a lot this year. And what happens? He was brutal. He walked three guys in the seventh inning. Then they got to bring Bernardino in. He got out of it. But that was a situation where Winkowski would have been the guy to go to there, not Schreiber. You know, and so the Red Sox, you know, the the whole opener thing and the whole Nick Pavetta, it, what a, it's a load of crap. It's an absolute load of crap. You know, stop it. If, you, if you're going to start him, start him. If you're not, just leave him in a damn bullpen. You know, and now with Tanner Houck coming off the uh, injured list, he'll, he'll pitch against the uh, Houston Astros on Tuesday after missing a couple of months with that facial fracture. And he looked really good down in AAA, but, you know, again – Coming back up and after getting hit in the face, uh, hopefully uh, he'll be able to uh, to give him a, a good performance. But look, uh, Justin Turner this year for the Red Sox, the whole pitching angle aside, Justin Turner, and I've always been a Justin Turner fan. You know, I was a fan of his with the Dodgers. He's just one of those guys who always seems to get the big hit, be in the right place at the right time. But I got to tell you what, and being able to watch him play every day, he has been better than the Red Sox could have ever hoped. I mean, this guy is hitting 288. He's got 20 homers, 79 runs better. He's probably going to drive in 100 runs. He's never driven in 100 runs in his career. Ever. The most he ever had in the season was 90 all the way back in 2016. It's the fourth time in his career or fifth time in his career that he's had 20 homers or more. But this guy just – and he made a couple of great defensive plays in the game yesterday too. Nice scoop. Had to – you know, I mean, he's just – and this is a guy that's playing on a leg and a half, right? He's he's playing on that bad heel – but with Tristan Costas has been out for a couple of games with an infected two, so they've had instead of DHing him, they've had to play him in the field, and he's come through. Two huge hits yesterday, and Rafi Devers has woken from his slumber. <laughs> he he had three more hits yesterday, including a home run and a double. He absolutely wore the Yankees out this weekend. 
you know, and matter of fact, the, one of the big blows of the game came because he had been so hot. Right? In the seventh inning, Aaron Boone says, we're not pitching this guy. He's killing us, so we're going to walk him. And Justin Turner then takes the first pitch he sees and crushes it to left field. Three-run bomb, Sox are up 5-2 prior to the uh, Schreiber, you know, disaster. But, look, Justin Turner has been unbelievable. And now Rafi Devers has awoken. And so, you know, and you're, you're hitting these guys 2-3 in your lineup. Jaron Duran seems to have come around, although Duran got hurt yesterday. He had to leave the game. He was trying to climb the wall to pull back a home run and ended up hurting his toe. Didn't know that was the case until he came up late in the game trying to beat out a play down the line, and uh, just you could see he was noticeably limping. He left the game. Rob Refsnyder came in for him. Uh, they said he's day-to-day. Hopefully he's okay. But, look, you know, Jaron Duran is uh, hitting two ninety-five. a guy that – a lot of people wondered if that would be trade bait for the Red Sox early in the season because, you know, they just didn't think he had it. And here he is, 100 games into the season, hitting 295. Stolen 24 bases. He's got 34 doubles. So the Red Sox have to hope that the injury isn't too bad, give him a couple of days off and get him back in there, especially with this stretch coming up with seven against Houston and three against the Dodgers. I mean, that is going to be murder. They need to get Casas back in the lineup. I guess there's a chance he could play today. Went to the hospital, had the tooth drained. I can only imagine how bad that must have hurt to keep him out of a game. But we all know, I tell you what, there's probably the two worst pains in the world, tooth pain and back pain, right? I think think those are probably the two things uh, that are the most debilitating, the back pain because you literally can't move and the tooth pain because it hurts so bad you literally can't think. I think we've all been there, but hopefully they can get him back today. But, look, Justin Turner, Rafi Devers carried the Red Sox through that series with the Yankees. Um, Alex Cora got ejected yesterday, and I'm surprised it took him as long as he did. He finally got ejected in the middle of the sixth inning. But I got to tell you what, and I don't know. I'm going to have to go on to uh, Twitter today. Uh, there's an, a thing called the umpire scorecard that they, that they do um, that uh, basically rates – and shows how good or bad an umpire was in a particular game, gives him a score. And not only that, it weights it um, as to uh, how much the scores uh, tilted in favor of one team or another. Junior Valentine was absolutely brutal. His strike zone was terrible. Terrible. There was a big play in this game at the plate. He was out of position, couldn't make the call because he was behind it. And he didn't, instead of getting out where he could actually see the plate, he was in bad position. I mean, it was just brutal, he was. And, you know, it, it, there was a couple of times. Red Sox got called out on strikes on pitches that weren't even close. There were a couple of times Red Sox pitchers threw a ball right down the middle. Pavetta threw a pitch. Uh, I can't remember who it was to. I think it was to Torres that was right down the middle that was called a ball. Or it might have been to LeMayhew. He ended up getting him anyway, but it was an absolute joke. And in the inning where Schreiber melted down, uh, he missed two pitches to one batter, ended up being a walk, and two of the pitches could have easily been called a strike. One of them definitely was. The other one was borderline. But Junior Valentine was awful. Awful. 
Uh, and Cora pulled no punches after the game, and he even said, uh, if I get fined, I get fined. But we didn't agree with the effing strike zone. He said, we know what's going on in the standings, and for us, every effing pitch counts. <laughs> I mean, he said this to uh, Julian McWilliams from the Boston Globe. He was, he was letting it fly. Uh, third time he'd been ejected this season, but this one, uh, I mean, you just had to. Didn't change anything. He was still awful, but still. But uh, great, uh, a great job, but now the Red Sox is where the rubber meets the road. The Houston Astros for three starting tonight. Now, the good news is if you're Boston, you've got this lined up the way you want, right? A four-game series, you've got Paxton pitching tonight, Hauk pitching tomorrow, Chris Sale on Wednesday, and Brian Bayo on Thursday. You can't that's you can't ask for anything better if you're the Red Sox. Right? You've got your basically your top four guys, and now the guy that was in the rotation as well, uh, uh, Jason, or, or, uh, Garrett Whitlock, who who has struggled a little bit since coming back, giving up some home runs, um, but also striking out guys. But the guy that's been out there as long as he has, you know, it's going to happen. But you've got your top four guys back. You've got Whitlock back in the bullpen. Now you can move Pavetta back to the bullpen where he has been better. There's no question about that. Chris Martin's been ridiculously good. The Red Sox, I believe, are the first have the first or second best percentage in saves this season in in the major leagues. So this bullpen, you know, they, that we talked about the you know the one thing that uh, that Heimbloom did right in the off season was fix the bullpen. Did that mission accomplished. The rest of it. You know, other than acquiring, other than acquiring uh, uh, Justin Turner, I'm not sure. But now you've got these guys going. And look, if you're the Red Sox, are you going to go into Houston and sweep four from the Astros? Probably not. Matter of fact, I'd be willing to bet you there's zero to no chance of that. But if you're the Red Sox, you have to at least split this pair. You have to. I don't know if that's going to gain you any ground, but you have got to at least split the four-game series. Look, the Red Sox right now are three games out of a playoff spot. They are three games behind the Seattle Mariners for that last wild-card spot. They are four games behind Houston, who are in the second wild-card position. They're still two and a half behind Toronto, who they have to leapfrog to even worry about Seattle and Houston. So, you know, it's nice that they swept the Yankees, but they didn't really gain any ground. And now four with Houston, three with the Dodgers, and then three with Houston. You know, they come back at home to play the Dodgers this weekend. And, you know, Mookie Betts coming back and JT JT Martinez coming back and Kike Hernandez coming back. And, oh, Lord, Joe Kelly's on that team. Uh, it's going to be a fun weekend, but they have got to keep the eye on the prize, and they have got to at least split this series. If you took three out of four, it's Christmas. If you come home and you win two out of three from the Dodgers, it's Christmas and New Year's. But that may be a lot to ask. It really, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's going to be hard. There's no doubt about it. But this is where the season could be. The season is going to be made or broken, I believe, 
in the next 10 days. You know, if you come out of this stretch with Houston and the Dodgers, three and seven, four and six, they're done. You have to at least have split. You have to. And then after that, you know, look, you've still got games coming up with Toronto, and Toronto is the team that is directly in front of you. So you have an opportunity to help yourself. But they have got to take care of business right now with Houston and Los Angeles. You know, then you get a little bit of a break. You go out to play the Kansas City Royals. But, you know, look, then, you, you know, you start after that. You, you got to go to Tampa. You got to play Baltimore. You still got four more with the Yankees. They're at Fenway, which is great. But, you know, and then you could point to those three games at Toronto coming up in the middle of September. And, you know, that's where they've got to sweep Toronto. And they've done well against the Blue Jays this season. But they are in a position now where in the next 10 games, minimum 5-5, five and five, just to keep yourself in the conversation. If it's worse than that, they could be dead and buried. Uh, interesting comments, by the way. Uh, speaking of, I mentioned the crap sandwich that was given to the Red Sox by Bloom. And, uh, look, there's a lot of people that dump on Bloom, And, I, you know, and, and I'll give them credit for some stuff, but – you know, not making any moves at the trade deadline, really, uh, other than, you know, getting rid of, a, you know, Kike Hernandez. Jonathan Papelbon went on Brett Boone's podcast uh, a couple of days ago and basically ripped Time Bloom. And he said, if you're the general manager and, he, and you're saying that we're underdogs, he says, and, you know, and why should we add on? He said, how do you think everybody else feels around here? He said, to me, that statement says everything, and that puts the mood is, oh, well, we're not going to win, so what else do you expect? He said, if the general manager is going to create that kind of mood, what do you expect to get out of your players? He's not wrong. You know, and I know Alex Cora and some of the players have been wearing these underdog, uh, you know, uh, T-shirts and stuff like that, but Jonathan Papelbon's not wrong. You know, this is a flawed roster to begin with. I mean, you look at the number of guys that were on this roster early in the season that are no longer here, right? And and the fact that your guys like, you know, uh, Pablo Reyes, who couldn't even uh, play every day for AAA Oakland, uh, Oakland's AAA team, are one of the reasons this Red Sox team is even where they're at right now. Tells you a lot about, you know, how flawed this roster was. Knowing that you weren't going to have Trevor Story for most of the year and going, you know, and, and, and putting up with this awful defense the Red Sox have had all year and not doing anything to fix it, Papelbon is not wrong. Now, what's going to be interesting is because Papelbon appears on Nesson, which is owned by the Red Sox, uh, and, and after these comments came out and they've been loud and proud in the, in the Boston Globe, you wonder if he is going to be taken to the woodshed by Red Sox management or by Nesson management and uh, whether it is going to affect his ability to speak his mind and still be on Nesson broadcast. Uh, now, he's only a studio guy. He's not on an everyday guy, but uh, he's been critical. But he's not wrong at all. 33 minutes past the hour. we got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. 
It is 35 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Monday morning. And uh, the team that the Red Sox are chasing, two of them, the Seattle Mariners and the Houston Astros, uh, the Seattle Mariners are as hot as hot can be. They complete a three-game sweep of the Houston Astros yesterday. Uh, They are now only a half a game behind Houston. In the uh, in the the AOS race, they are in playoff position. They are currently the third wild card, and like I said, just a half a game behind Houston to to go ahead of them there. Uh, how bad have things? How well look? How bad have things been for the Yankees, and how good have things been for Seattle? Here's here's a stat. In his last four games, last four games, Julio Rodriguez from the Seattle Mariners. Well, not his last four games, I should say that. In in his previous four games, from Wednesday to Saturday, he was 17 for 22. 17 for 22. Those 17 hits that Julio Rodriguez had were the same amount as the Yankees team had in that entire four-game span. Think about that. This this Mariners team is doing the same thing they did last year. If you remember, you know, it looked like they were kind of like, meh, you know, they were a so-so team, and then they went on a tear towards the end of the year. We'll see if they can sustain it. But they have now won 14 of the last 17 games. There's still six weeks to go, a lot of time, but they've got to feel pretty good about where they are. Look, what Rodriguez is doing, obviously not sustainable. But he's not the only player on that team that is capable of uh, of putting up some big numbers. Yesterday, uh, Eugenio Suarez, a two-run home run, uh, and uh, a rookie, Dominic Canzone, with four hits. And uh, I think the Mariners I jumped out to a 6 nothing lead, ended up holding on, winning the game 7-6. But, you know, this Mariners team is feeling really good about itself. Uh, you know, and Houston, look, uh, they got, well, Hunter Brown, <laughs> he was, uh, he was a mess yesterday and this is a guy that has been injured, but, uh, two and two thirds innings, eight hits, six runs and, uh, falls to nine and nine. His, uh, his last couple of outings since coming off the injured list, uh, he has struggled and, you know. They've got good pitching. There's no question. I mean, Christian Javier and Jose Arquiti, both very, very good. And they have Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander is going to take on Tanner Houck on Tuesday. Justin Verlander, you know, people people get really excited about the fact that he came back to Houston. Since he came back to Houston, folks, he hasn't been any better than he was with the New York Mets. Now, obviously, if you look at what he did last year, when he was with Houston and helped them win the World Series and, you know, had an ERA of about, you know, over just over two. He was ridiculous. Well, this year's ERA is about four and a half. Very hittable. Does that mean he's done? I don't know, but he's, you know, maybe he fired most of the bullets he had last year uh, en route to that uh, that championship. But it's, you know, the, the Justin Verlander that the Red Sox are going to see on Tuesday is not the same guy uh, that he's had in the past or that he's been in the past. But Paxton against Christian Javier tonight should be a great matchup. Chris Sale and Jose Urquidy, uh
on Chris Sale. There's no question about that. So he's not the same guy any more than Justin Verlander is. But uh, to be a Hall of Fame player, you know, with his numbers, you know, it's not the same as the, the cheating that went on when somebody was using performance-enhancing drugs after, um, after testing started. You know, and we can talk ad nauseum until, you know, the cows come home about, pre, you know, pre-testing, post-testing as far as performance-enhancing drugs. But if there was no outlaw, you know, no law against it, you know, I have a hard time holding guys accountable that never failed a drug test. And when it was known, that, you know, that the Houston, there's no doubt that the Houston Astros cheated. Everybody, you know, agreed. Everybody confessed. Well, you know, and, you know, and when they're cheating is when Jose Altuve is having the best years of his career, hitting damn near 350 two years in a row when they're cheating. How much does that affect his candidacy for the Hall of Fame? You know, and it's funny. I hadn't thought about this. You know, it was mentioned yesterday uh, in the broadcast, uh, the Red Sox broadcast, talking about Altuve. He was a really popular player. I mean, I always liked him, you know, because he's a little guy, right? Hits a lot of home runs. I think that's part of the reason why Dustin Pedroia was so uh, revered the way he was. You know, same, you know, with Altuve. A couple of second basemen that are undersized that can still hit for power and play with abandon. And play because they love the game. You know, so, you know, he was always a very popular player. How much will that affect him? It'll be interesting to see. But uh, anyway, so, uh, you know, I guess if you're the Red Sox, you know, one of the other things you look at when you go into this series with Houston is Red Sox on a bit of a roll, right? You know, you sweep the Yankees and the Houston Astros are coming off being swept at home by the Seattle Mariners. So you're hoping that, you know, they're still going to be in a bit of a funk. The other thing you worry about, though, is they're going to say, hey, wait a minute, this is our house. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens tonight. But Julio Rodriguez has been a young man possessed in the last week for the Seattle Mariners. The other team the Red Sox are trying to catch – uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. The Blue Jays absolutely pummeled the Cincinnati Reds. You know, what a great story the Cincinnati Reds were early in the season, right? I mean, you know, at one point uh, being up there in the NL Central in, in terms of uh, uh, having a chance to uh, win the division. They're still in the race, though, right? They, uh, they're they still just a game out of the wild card in the National League. But uh, the Blue Jays hit five home runs off Hunter Green yesterday. They beat the Reds 10-3. to Brandon Belt had uh, two of them. It was his second multi-home run game of the season, his first one against the Red Sox. Um, Dante Bichette back in the lineup, uh, who he's coming off that uh, that knee injury. He hit his first home run yesterday, first one since July the 25th. Uh, he was activated on Saturday. Uh, he also tripled in the first inning, so it seems like that, uh, that knee is okay. Um, you know, and all is not lost for, uh, for Cincinnati, but uh, – they're reeling a little bit. And, you know, the big thing for Toronto as they go down the stretch and they try to stay ahead of the Red Sox, Hinjin uh, Ryu has come back from Tommy John surgery that he had mid-year last year. I think it was in June he had it last year. He's come back. He was activated the first week of August. Uh, yesterday he made his, I think it was his third start. Went five innings, struck out seven, walk one, 
He's now two and one. It gives him another reliable arm in that rotation. Uh, that's huge. Now the Blue Jays have a huge series coming up. The Red Sox are, are taking on Houston, but the Blue Jays have to play the Baltimore Orioles. It's a three-game series with the Orioles uh, that starts on uh, Tuesday. So that'll be fun. And uh, the Orioles, they just continue to roll. Uh, three home runs yesterday, and they beat the Oakland Athletics 12-1. to The Oakland Athletics now, ladies and gentlemen, 34-90. and It's the first time they've been 56 games under 500 since the franchise was back in Philadelphia when they were the Philadelphia A's, and they ended up finishing 49-105 and back in 1946. This is just – and by the way, that's back when they were managed by Connie Mack, right? I mean, this is a just historically bad team, and the Orioles took full advantage, 5-1. Ryan Mountcastle yesterday, by the way, uh, what a day. Uh, extended his uh, – on base streak to 26 games, had three hits, 17th home run of the season. Gunnar Henderson had his 21st home run. He had a chance for the cycle. He had two doubles, a triple, and a home run. He came up late in the game with a double, a triple, and a homer. All he needed was a single to get the cycle, and the team was up by a ton. He ends up getting a double. If he had stopped at first base... He would have given himself, uh, you know, he would have registered the cycle. You know, and people make a big deal out of the cycle, but really it's a fluke more than anything, right, when you think about it. I mean, there's a lot of luck to, that's involved. Um, but he said, that's, he said, I play the game hard. He said, there was an opportunity for a double. That's just the way I play. So the cycle wasn't meant to be. Uh, you know what? I respect it. That's great. That's great. So, anyway, the Blue Jays at Baltimore uh, coming up for three starting on Tuesday. So uh, the Red Sox obviously keep a big eye on that, but they've got to worry about themselves uh, first. It is 47 minutes past here. We're going to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. 49 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call on a Monday morning. Going to be a warm one down here. Supposed to get up to the mid-90s. I'm praying my air conditioner guy shows up today. Uh, those of you that listened last week, my air conditioner went out last week in the middle of a heat wave. Uh, they had to order a new part. They told me it was going to be a grand to fix it. The good news is I found out the part was under warranty. So uh, that was a, uh, a huge break for me. I'm very happy about that. Uh, I had the week from hell yesterday. Then right after the air conditioner went out, my water line broke from the well house into my house. So I ended up uh, get, having to dig a hole and, and uh, fix a water line this weekend. So that was great. And uh, then last week, I got bit by a brown recluse spider, ended up in the uh, uh, the clinic, had to go on antibiotics because, like, I had, like, an infection going up my leg. It's just, uh, I've just been having a lot of fun, so <laughs> I'm thinking about putting, I think I may just keep myself right in my office uh, for the rest of the week so nothing else bad happens. Uh, I mentioned the, uh, the wild card race in the National League, and it is... Absolutely wild. You want some drama? How about this? There's six teams within three games of each other for the wild card. Right now, your wild card teams in the National League right now would be Philadelphia, San Francisco, and Chicago. Chicago's got the last spot right now at 64 and 59. The only reason they have that last spot right now is they have played a couple fewer games than Arizona. Miami, and Cincinnati. Those three teams, Arizona, Miami, and Cincinnati, are all 64 
and 61. They are a game back of Chicago, who, as I said, have played two, uh, two fewer games. So, and then San Francisco sits in the second wild card at 65 and 59. And uh, then Philly is at top 67 and 57. It's just crazy. Uh, Philly ended up losing yesterday. They played in the uh, uh, the Cooperstown Classic that they have around the Little League World Series. But what a great thing. They play it in a stadium that only holds about 3,000 people, and they don't sell tickets. The only people that were at this game were players – and families of uh, kids that are playing in a Little League World Series. How great is that? Uh, it, it didn't help the Phillies. They ended up losing the game to the Washington Nationals 4-3. Uh, to three. Uh, Wheeler got the start for the Phillies and uh, just uh, wasn't awful, but he didn't get any help from his uh, uh, from the offense. And these, these Washington Nationals have been pesky. You know, they still sit in last place uh, in their division. But uh, they are playing good baseball right now, and they have won seven of their last ten, and uh, they're about a 500 team on the road. So, and the Red Sox saw how pesky they were; they took two out of three from Boston. So, uh, but they beat the Phillies yesterday. So, the, the wild card race in the National League is absolutely uh, insane. Um, and uh, the San Francisco Giants, one of the teams. Uh, in the playoffs right now, if the season were ended today, they got a big win yesterday over the Atlanta Braves. Jock Peterson, a bases-loaded walk in the ninth inning, uh, gives the Giants the win a win over the Braves, a rare win over the Atlanta Braves. The Braves have just been unconscious. Uh, the Braves have won eight of their last ten. They have 80 wins, 80 and 43. They have three more wins than uh, the second-best team in Major League Baseball, which is the Orioles, and then the Dodgers have 76 uh, but the Giants with a big win yesterday. Uh, Kirby Yates, who's been really good out of the bullpen for the Braves, yeah, not so good yesterday. He walked two and hit two guys in the ninth inning to lose the game. Uh, but Jock Peterson with the bases loaded walk. Um, how about Dallas? You remember Dallas Keuchel? Dallas Keuchel's a guy who was like uh, a Cy Young candidate with uh, when he was with the Philadelphia Phillies. He was great and uh, pitched a, a couple of decent seasons for the Chicago White Sox, and then his career fell off an absolute cliff. And he got released by a couple of teams and looked like he was, you know, that his career was over. Yesterday, he had signed a contract with the Minnesota Twins, and uh, he's made uh, three starts for the Twins. And is he has he been great? Nah, no, not really. I mean, he's been okay. He's got an ERA about four and a half in those three games. But yesterday, he had a perfect game into the seventh inning until he finally gave up a hit to uh, uh, to Brian Reynolds with one out in the seventh inning. And uh, the uh, Twins go on to beat the Pittsburgh Pirates 2-0. But Dallas Keuchel, you know, again, it was kind of a – uh, under-the-radar kind of signing. But this is a guy who last year had an ERA um, of nine in 14 starts between Arizona and Texas. And the year before that with the White Sox – oh, actually, no, some of the starts were with the White Sox last year. And the year before that with the White Sox, he had an ERA of like five and a half. Right? But this is a guy that when he was with the Houston Astros, I think it was in, what, 19 – or 2015 – Won 20 games and an ERA at two and a half. And with a big start yesterday, the Twins end up beating the Pirates. The Twins now in pretty good shape uh, in the American League Central. They now have a six-game lead. 
Uh, other games yesterday, Max Scherzer, not very good. Did pick up uh, uh, a strikeout that put him in 11th place on the career strikeout list. But uh, other than that, he wasn't very good. They end up losing uh, to the Milwaukee Brewers 6-2, to and the Brewers sweep that three-game series. Now, that you know, the Rangers still have a two-game lead in their division, but uh, Scherzer has 12 wins this year. He's actually been better than Justin Verlander. But, you know, look, he said at the end of the day, he says, I, you know, I'm here to win. I'm not here for milestones. I'm not here for the accomplishments. And, you know, I'm sure later it'll 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 hit me. But right now, you know, I didn't pitch very well. So, you know, good for him. Uh, but uh, the uh, Tigers yesterday beat the Guardians 4-1 to as the uh, Guardians continue to slip slide away. And the Chicago Cubs beat the Royals 4-3. The Cubs... Um, right now, look, are they going to win the Central? I don't know. I did predict, by the way, before the season, when uh, when we went on the Boys of Summer podcast with my uh, buddies Paul Arnold and uh, Eric Braun, I predicted the Cubs would make the playoffs. Now, they're only five games over five hundred, but they are only three games back of the Milwaukee Brewers in that Central Division. They're going to have to win the division to get in, but uh, I think – Right now they're in playoff position, but I predicted they'd make the playoffs. And yesterday they get home runs from Seiya Suzuki and uh, Miguel Amaya, uh, and Kyle Hendricks picks up the win as the Cubs beat the Royals by a final of 4-3. to three. And the Mets' uh, hideous season continues. Paul Goldschmidt with a home run, and uh, the Cardinals beat the Mets 7-3. to three. The, the Mets took two out of three in the series, but, boy, they have just been absolutely brutal. And I'm going to be really curious. Steve Cohen has said he's going to be patient. Uh, but they sold off a lot of pieces. I'm going to be very curious to see if Buck Showalter survives to manage the Mets again in 2024. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. It's uh, Casey Musgrave's 35th birthday today, so let's leave you with Follow Your Arrow. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.